So to get started, we have Professor April Peterson over here for episode one. Hello, and everyone. Yeah. So um, to begin with, tell us what you do on campus. Okay. Well, I teach. I teach English 101, which is beginning college writing, English 301, which is advanced college writing, and CAS 300, which is elements of professional communication. So how long have you been teaching on campus? I have been here since I graduated and I got my MA in 2007. I see. So you've been teaching here around 12 years now. Yes, that's okay, correct. I see. So to teach, what made you feel that you wanted to be a teacher, first of all? And second, why English in particular? Well, um, I guess it's sort of the cliche story. I've always been you know, fascinated by English. I've always loved reading, writing, anything to do with English, even grammar. Um, and when I was a student here getting my BA, I was a tutor at the University Learning Center where I tutored writing. And I really fell in love with helping people with their writing. Um, and then from there, it just kind of um, went forward to teaching in the writing center, or I'm sorry, tutoring in the writing center and then into the teaching associate program from there. And then I started teaching here once I graduated. So you mentioned that you were a tutor on campus right. for the Learning Center. So how did you get that? Did you find a certain teacher? Did you go out of your way to find it? or? No, nothing? actually, it's pretty funny. I got a letter in the mail, um, basically an invitation to apply for a job there as a writing tutor. And it said on the letter that they had selected me based on my GPA in my English major. And I was shocked because it was a little bit creepy that somebody was <laughs> looking at my GPA. So it was also paid over there too. Right, right. They oh, don't okay, pay, you know, well, but they pay. <laughs> and when you're a student, you know, everything helps. And that's when you were in your undergrad also? Yes, that was when I was an undergrad when I had just transferred in. My second semester here is when I received that letter. And that's when I got the job at the University Learning Center. I see. So that was pretty close to when you started yeah second semester that's right right really I was I was like whoa okay and um, the the reason why I decided to get my master's was because I had a professor who wrote this note at the bottom of my research paper um, the professor was Dr. Mary Kay Crouch um, she has since passed away unfortunately but um, she was one of the professors that I became close to and she wrote me a little note at the bottom of my paper, and this was my last semester getting my BA. Um, and she said, you should really consider getting your master's in English. And she was very impressed with my writing. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do it. If she thinks I can do it, then I can do it. Then why can't you? Yeah. Right. So if it wasn't for her, do you think that you would maybe not have gotten your master's? I don't know. Um, I wasn't really thinking too seriously about it. It was an idea that I was kind of you know, kicking around, but um, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do, honestly, after I graduated with my BA. So I thought that was just inspiration, like it was meant to be, this is what I should do. So I did it. I see. And to be a professor, is the master's required or is it? Yes. It mm -hmm. is required. So initially you weren't planning to become a professor then. Right. No, my initial plan was to teach English maybe at a junior high or a high school. And you could do with a bachelor's and then you need to get a teaching credential. Right, right. right. So it was kind of like teaching credential or master's degree. I thought, oh, a master's degree sounds fun. 
And it's also interesting to hear that just like one pivotal moment or like one professor could change your entire career goals. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not always that everything is like destined to be to begin with. Things can change like on a whim and it can affect your whole career afterwards. So basically you're saying that even even in your last year, you still didn't know where you're going to go, but you still found a way at the end. Right, right. And since I wasn't sure, um, seeing that note that she wrote me, it just said, you know, that's what I need to do. That's yeah. it right there. That's my answer. It was kind of like a face to be type of thing. You know, right, it was like a right. Someone I really <laughs> admired was saying, you know, you should do this. You can do this. I believe in you. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to do this then. So it also shows the effects that professors and even anyone who has uh, a bit of power or I- influence over students, they can really impact the, their further career and their life choices afterwards. Yes, that's true. Um, whether they say something positive or negative, it has an impact on the student. Um, unfortunately, sometimes some professors do say some things that really have a negative effect on students' mentality. And I've had students tell me about that. And it's unfortunate because I think people don't realize the power of their words. Um, Maybe Dr. Crouch didn't realize how much of an inspiration she was going to end up being for me. Um, You know, so that's my point. Just you you just don't know how powerful your words are really sometimes. So you talked about how that what your professor said to you as being one of the pivotal moments. Did you find anything else? when you were on campus, important to shaping you, whether it was a club or just something that changed your mindset or just shaped Um, anything? Definitely also getting into the TA program. Um, It's pretty cool. You get to teach a class while you're still getting your master's degree. Um, So you're still in the MA program and you're teaching one class just to get a little feel for what it's like to teach an entire class versus just tutoring one-on-one. And that was definitely... Um, when I thought, okay, I can really do this and I really want to do this. So you were a tutor in your undergrad and then you became a TA getting your master's. So how'd you get that TA job again? Um, well, basically it, it was open. It's like, you know, anyone can apply in the MA program. Um, and being a tutor is definitely a plus, um, when you want to get into the TA program. So I guess based on my experience, I had been tutoring for three years in both tutoring centers. So I had a lot of experience with that. And um, yeah, we had interviews just like any job and they selected 10 of us to be in the TA program at that time. So that one wasn't handed to you like a a mailing list, but it was, you just saw it and you applied to it. Right, but uh, Dr. Crouch was also on the committee um, oh, okay. Interviewing. So, you, so you had a leg up on <laughs> I see why you I had someone it, yeah. on my side. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, that's good. That's good that you have people, like if you're active in class. So how did you become so close with her? Um, I took her class. It was called Literature of the Vietnam War. And um, it just, it was very personal to me because my father was in the Vietnam War. Um, and so I, we just became close. We bonded over that. I went to her office. We talked about it. Um, and she really liked my writing. She liked where I was going, you know, my ideas. So um, I focused on, like, Chicano um, perspective in the Vietnam War. And that was sort of unique. So she really liked that. And, um, yeah, she, she she was a really cool lady. I see. Yeah, I really miss That's her. Good to hear, yeah. Well, so it's not like 
she reached out to you. So that's one thing that a lot of students don't do. They just go to class and then come back, just leave it right away. But you talked about going to her office hours and chatting with her and talking to her a bit. So that's, you also have to reach out. And then by doing that, she recommended you to become a teacher. Plus she helped you get the TA job since she was on the committee. So it's a lot of, a, it's a big, powerful effect that teachers, they're in a great position to help you as long as you go out to them and reach out to them. Right. And that's one of my regrets, um, you know, being a student and not taking advantage of more office hours. Um, I would only go to office hours if I absolutely had to uh, for whatever reason. Um, But I regret that because I formed this relationship with this um, professor and it really did shape me in a way that, you know, I wouldn't have been shaped otherwise. And I'm just now wondering, well, you know, what if I would have had relationships with other professors outside of class? Um, But being a mom, you know, being a single mom and a student, it was a little hard. I wasn't always available all the time. Um, So that was a little, little bit of a challenge. So how have things changed, do you think, since you were a student here and now keeping in contact with a lot of the students or like just seeing the day to day life? Well, I mean, there's so many changes on campus. Um, it's just so different from when I was a student. We didn't have these parking structures. Um, we didn't have the rec center. Um, there was a lot, a lot. I mean, it's changed so much. It's beautiful now. Not that yeah. it wasn't beautiful before. It was a little outdated before. Yeah. It was beautiful for maybe the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's beautiful. It's like modern and um, what they're doing out in the quad and... I mean, it's just amazing. So were you in any clubs on campus or any like sororities or anything? No, I wasn't. Um, I really, you know, clubs, they tend to meet in the evening um, or late afternoon. So I really wasn't available um, since I was a mom. Um, But I do. That's one of my regrets, too. Not necessarily being in a sorority. I probably wouldn't have done that anyway. But clubs for sure. Having like a group of people that you can just talk to for a couple hours after school, get lunch with them, hang out, see them around and say, what's up, you know, instead of just going to school and coming back. So I feel like that's one of the issues. Was that like also a thing back then? Was it also a commuter school? Well, I definitely commuted. Um, and I think most of the people um, that I kind of became friends with, mostly tutors and English <laughs> majors, <laughs> most of them also commuted. Um, one interesting fact is right now the office that I have I share it with um, another professor who we basically went through school together we got our bachelors together (laughs) our masters we went through all the programs together um, and now we we share an office so and we've both been there since some people that you stay with college stay with you forever maybe even get the same job right so (laughs) what's one advice you would give to students like what's your one thing that if a student came up to you and said I'm not too sure what I'm doing in life. What should I do? And they're like a third year or fourth year and they still don't have things like figured out yet. Right, right. Um, Well, I think being a tutor definitely um, put me on a path um, that led to success. um, And that was because I was an English major. So I guess my advice would be get a little bit of experience in your major, not just taking the classes, but actually some real life experience such as volunteering or internship or a part-time job see if it really is the right fit Um, because you know this is your time right now to change it if it's not going to work out and you definitely want to 
have um, a major where you're going to be happy doing whatever it is that it's going to lead you into. Um, So I definitely knew before I graduated that I would be happy being a teacher, being an English teacher. So um, I think that's important. I also think, like we said before, um, connecting with professors, connecting with faculty and other students who are in your uh, field definitely will give you more of an idea of, you know, is this the right fit for me? Do I, am I similar to these people? Um, Do I have the same goals as them? Uh, Can I picture myself doing this job? Yeah, because it's not necessarily that just because they're a teacher and you don't want to become a teacher, you still have the experience of majoring in English and you have the experience of seeing other people graduate and go into other fields with it. And I feel like it's more applicable to careers that are more, because English, you're sort of limited, right, with what you can do with it. Yeah, they say that there's unlimited possibilities with an English degree, but from what I've seen, it's mostly teaching. Professor, (laughs) teacher. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Tutor, (laughs) TA. Yeah, but it's mostly, like, focused on that. But um, in general, like, say it's a bio major or, like, a bio professor, a comp sci professor, an engineering professor, even if you don't want to become a professor, I feel like since they have the experience. Were you always an English major or what was No, um, I have a child development uh, associate's degree. Um, I got that at Rio Hondo before I transferred here. But once I transferred here, I had decided already that I was going to be an English major. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I did change it. Um, I just somewhere along the line decided that I like little kids. I love little kids, but for some reason I wanted to work with older kids and teach English and, and really like analyze literature and talk about grammar. And, you know, you can't really do that with like little six-year-olds. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Spelling is the furthest you would go with English. You know? Probably, yeah. So mm. were you a mother in your junior college or before? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was um, already a mom before I even started going to college. And when I was at Rio Hondo as a child development major, I was working at the children's center there. And um, my kids were going to school there at the children's center. So it was pretty oh, cool. Oh, so you keep like an eye on them. Right, right. And then when I came to Cal State Fullerton, my daughter was already um, in first grade. And my son went to the children's center here on this campus. I see. So yeah. first grade, where did she go from there? Um, I transferred her. uh, We were living in L.A., so I transferred her to Fullerton so she could be close to me. I see. Um, So I would drop her off at school and then come over here, take my son to the children's center, and then go to class. I see. So do you think that being a mother before you started college, do you think that shaped your major? or? Definitely, um, because I honestly didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, and having kids made me... Not that I had never been around kids before, but having my own kids, um, you know, naturally you spend time with other kids too. And, you know, they come over for play dates and all that. And I just really enjoyed them. And I thought, you know, this is something I can do. I'm good with kids. Kids like me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <And> fun. Like <laughs> before, before being a mother, like you, would be, you said you'd be around kids, but it's obviously like maybe a few hours a week instead of being 24-7, you know, as right, being a mother. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that could be a very pivotal moment in someone's life. So I feel like that would be, like, one of the most important things that changed where you are today because right. if it wasn't for that, who knows, maybe you could have been a STEM major. <laughs> maybe right, right. Maybe you could have been with comp sci or anything. 
So um, on that note, what about students who are wanting to get into your field specifically of being maybe, because you said you had an associate's degree in mm-hmm. child and adolescent development. So in that, plus being an English major, how, like, how would you give advice to a student going to that, like to each of the two? Um, well, if someone wants to be an English professor, I would definitely recommend tutoring and being a, in the teaching associate program. Um, as far as child development, um, again, getting experience working in a, a preschool or with school age kids. I had worked with both um, prior to coming to Cal State Fullerton. Um, so, I mean, you'll definitely know if it's right for you yeah. if you try it first. And if you don't try it, you'll never really know. Anyone can read a book about something and think, oh, I know, I know about it. But until you experience it yourself, you can't really say, oh, yeah, this is right for me. I'm going to be happy with this. Yeah. But it should be that you should take your time instead of just setting your goals forward into one career, right? Right. I think people should be flexible. And and if you feel like changing your major, I think, you know, you might want to look into that because it's like their inner voice. Yeah. My daughter has actually changed her major a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's finally decided on speech pathology. And I think it's the perfect job for her. Um, she also works with kids, so. Um, but I think this this focus is right for her. I see. So she uh, finally found that path. So were you also like supportive of her of like changing the major a few times? Or definitely, a definitely. Because okay. I, I mean, I did it too. I, I was even when I was an English major, there were times where I would think, should I have done philosophy? Should I have done a double major? You know, American studies, like I would see all these other majors that looked interesting and I would think, oh, is it too late for me to double major? Can I can I add that to my (laughs) (laughs) to my credentials? Because I know a lot of students, um, especially when I was a TA for uh, HCOM, some students would come up to me and they would be undeclared and they wouldn't like know which major to choose from. And a pivotal like just a strong point on them was parents like parents would try and force a major mm-hmm. upon us upon their children or if their child already chose a major and they're a year into it their parents would not be too keen on hearing that they're changing their major so they kind of get stuck with the with the major that they chose from the beginning even though they don't want it or their parents major that of what like they want to do instead right. of it's like their parents are trying to live their life again through yes, their child yes that is very unfortunate yeah. but um. it's good to hear that you were like supportive of her changing her major and you were there for her, like you didn't discourage her in her journey of finding her career. Yeah, I think from my experience, I realized, you know, people don't always know what they want right away. Um, I definitely didn't. And um, I think when you're when you're young, when you're 18, you you know, I mean, you're so young, you, you could change your mind. There yeah. were times where, you know, I would be stubborn and, and say things and adults would say, oh, no, you're going to change your mind later on when you're older. And I thought, no way. And and now that I'm older, it's like, yeah, I did change my mind. <laughs> they were right. <laughs> and it's also with um, in high school, since that's like your main uh, molding point before college, you don't take all of these, I wouldn't say like obscure, but like uh, more uncommon majors, you know, like you focus on physics, bio, math, English and history. But then, like you said, speech, speech pathology, you never learned that in high school. So how would you ever know if you actually if that was your like calling? Right, right. So 
taking a lot of GEs your first year and spreading them out within like a variety of studies just to see if something connects with you. I feel like that's important instead of just jumping all in, especially if you're like testing the waters or unsure, then you can go a long way just by just like grasping at like different straws and see if another question we just wanted to ask you was what does success mean to you as a college student we're always told that we need to find a career that's successful or try and be successful and now there are articles all the time that we read as like the top 10 most most successful people the forbes 30 under 30 or the uh, fortune 500 ceos it's just a bunch of who like when are you successful when should you be content with where you are and since we're super young we don't really know and that's like our our main focus at times so to you personally what do you think success means well when i was younger i thought success is being rich and being able to buy all the things that i wanted um and I mean, obviously, that that can make a person happy. Well, that's personally what I think success. Is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm focusing on that. Like, right, I right. Get that money. It can bring you a level of happiness, yeah. definitely. But I think success is when you're really happy on the inside. Like you're really happy with where you are in life, even if you don't make, you know, six figure income. If you're just happy with what you do every day, and I don't know. I mean, you could make a um, million dollars and not be happy on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I think it sounds a little maybe naive to say, but I think happiness is definitely um, a measure of success. How have your goals and aspirations changed as you grew? Because as students, we're really young at this time, and like one of my goals, let's, let me be as rich as I can be, you know, let me be a multimillionaire, let me own a lot of things by the time I'm 30, you know? So how has that changed when you were a student or like say before you became a mom, when you became a mom in college and then afterwards? I actually, you know, when I first started at the junior college, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just like, let me take some general ed and let me see, you know, kind of what classes are like and um, just kind of get a feel for something. Um, so that's why general ed's so important too, I think, because you get a little feel for each type of yeah. uh, field. Um, you know, so I took psychology and, you know, art and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, I like philosophy. I like English. You know, I kind of started getting an idea of what I liked. And, um, so yeah, I mean, you do definitely change and grow as a student for sure. I've seen it so many times with my students and with my own kids. I think when people compare themselves to others and get competitive, that's where you're, you're kind of heading down the wrong road yeah. because you really just need to be you and do you. I think that's that's the key, and that's kind of why I'm successful at what I do because I'm just being me. It's like when I ran track and field in high school, they always said, don't look at other people. Mm -hmm. When Like, don't look at the other lanes. Just focus on your own lane. Exactly. You start turning around a bit, and then the guy from your right, you, when you look to the left, the guy on your right passes you. Right, so right. So it's always just look forward and just focus on what you're doing. Right. It's the same thing in my yoga class. You yeah. know, my, my, um, my yoga teacher always talks about, you know, don't compare what other people are doing in the class. Some people are standing on their head. Some people are you know, doing these like show off moves and, you know, you think yeah. to yourself, wow, I need to get there. But no, you need to stay in your own lane yeah. and you will eventually get there. It's not like you learn that overnight, um, but really you should just do what feels right for your own body. Yeah. You know, and that's like kind of a philosophy that I take seriously in, in life. Like, 
Do you think yoga has helped you? Is yoga like a fun oh, thing to do? Definitely. Yeah. I I would recommend everyone do yoga. How long have you been doing it? Um I started let's see. Do you do it here at the SRC? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um I go to in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. There's a free yoga. Um it's called Yoga on the Bluff. Um it's pretty amazing. Are they the ones that do it on the beach? We are overlooking the beach. We're on a grassy bluff. Oh, so okay. So it's yeah. an outdoor type of thing. Yes, it's definitely I outdoors, see. under trees. It's beautiful. Um, the instructor, her name's Dharma. She's amazing. I would recommend anyone go. It's donation-based. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you give. It's not about we need to make money off of you. Yeah. It's about her just guiding you. And um, it's amazing. So, um I feel like I'm doing a commercial for her now. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start to wrap it up now. One of the last questions we wanted to ask you is what was one thing you would do differently if you were to go through being a student again or if you go back in time and just talk to yourself? Um, I think I would be a little more social as a student. Um, I tended to just go to class and, you know, boom, 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 and then leave campus because because I was a mom. but I think I could have spent more time on campus um, talking to other students and definitely uh, visiting faculty in their office hours, especially when I was in the MA program. It's a really small community in that program. So um, I missed out on some, you know, some connections that I could have made, I think. I see. So that's one of the biggest problems that we have as a commuter campus. It's hard to get students to stay on campus for events unless they're like super interested in it. But uh, a school that's more with like dorms and it's just uh, an area where more people live there. It would make more sense that they have uh, a better reach of students staying for clubs, events that happen, and just general things over there, like sports also. Yeah, I definitely would have been in more clubs. I would have done more um, like networking with other students. Yeah. For sure. And there are a lot of like events that go on at like certain times, but you just have to get home, you know. Right. You have to take care of siblings, or like you have to take care of your kids at that time. So, but I mean, it is possible to get through your bachelor's, your master's, and your at your junior college, your associates also. So you spent uh, around like eight years mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. while having kids too. Right. Right. And you were a TA at one point, and also a tutor. Right. That is doing quite a bit while also yeah. being a single mom. Right. My schedule was pretty tight. Yeah. So, you know, I like go to a few classes and then go tutor for a couple hours and then had to go pick up my kids. So yeah. that's kind of why I didn't have much of a social life as a student. But that is one regret that, you know, I think I could have made a little time for that somehow. Yeah. But I mean, you, I, I feel like your schedule is pretty packed. Like I'm trying to look at my schedule, even though I'm definitely not doing as much as you were. I still find it a little hard to do everything in the day and get home in time for dinner and everything. And did you start junior college like a bit later out of high school? Or did Yes. You know? mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I didn't start right away, like right after yeah. um, high school. How many so. years did you spend in between? Um, I started going to the junior college when I was 23. Oh, so okay. about five years. Yeah. And that was when you know, I was young and making mistakes like getting yeah. married when I was <laughs> 21 years old. And that was Mm, I probably should have waited until I was a little older for that. Yeah. But the good thing <laughs> is, like, you found out that it's never too late to go back to school also since, like, right. a five-year gap. A lot of people, especially in your position of being a single mom, a lot of people would have given up at that point, you know? And you, you persevered quite a bit, the eight years. It seems like it would be pretty stressful going back. Like, 
it's one thing to go out of high school, be with your friends and everything. But you were pretty alone, it seems like. I was. To, like, jump into it and, yeah. like, be connected. Since if you talk to your friends at that point, that's when they would be graduating when you were starting. Right, right. And then the friends I made at college, they um, didn't have kids. So they, they were, were a lot younger. able to go to parties and all this stuff. And they would invite me and I'd be like, I can't go. And so, I, you know, I was really limited with socializing. But, um, you know, I, I, not that I regret it because, I, I, you know, I bonded with my kids and that's a little more important. But, yeah. but if I could have made time to also bond with some other students and faculty, that would have been even better. Yeah, but I mean, you are where you're at now. You know, it's like how much, it's all like what ifs at that point, but it's great that everything is there now. Yeah, everything worked out fine. Yeah, so as, as long as everything worked out, that's great. Yeah. So uh, we're going to wrap it up here, and we want to thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's not. It's obviously not our first conversation we've had, but it was nice doing it in a more formal setting and having questions prepared. But if you guys feel that you have any questions you want to ask her, she is a professor here on campus. She works in Gordon Hall, right? Gordon Hall. My Gordon office Hall, yeah. is 326, right next to the English department. Yeah. So if there's any advice that you feel that you need, because she's gone through a lot, like quite <laughs> a bit. It's like a bit of like a niche area, but she hit like one of everything. So if you guys feel that you need any advice, she's always here. She's great to talk to, even just about any conversation that you have. Again, thank you very much for being here and for us having you. Thank you very much.